Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. I think she has one of the most fun jobs around. Lauren Hall writes something called Scam Gram. Now, there are some things in there that will make you angry, but it will also make you chuckle. She puts a great spin on it. I just love what you do, Lauren. I love the, what you call it, the 90% quackatorium. That's beautiful. And it is, isn't it? Welcome, Lauren. Lauren is a uh, is with the Consumer Action, and I'm going to let you tell us what Consumer Action is, Lauren. Well, thanks for having me, Shirley. Yeah, um, I write Scamgram, and um, I write for Consumer Action. Um, we're a national nonprofit group. We've just celebrated our 47th anniversary, and our mission is to educate and empower consumers, specifically when it comes to marketplace and financial issues. So we help consumers prosper financially, and we help them also not become a victim of uh, predatory payday loans, bad auto or home loans, or scammers and fraudsters. And um, Scams and Frauds is what I write about in Scamgram. It's our monthly e-newsletter, and um, it just lets you know about the latest and not-so-greatest scams and frauds that are happening around the country. And there's always material out there, I know, because at Call for Action, we deal with it every single day with consumers calling us with all kinds of problems, scams, and everything else. So it's a fertile field for someone to write about, and unfortunately, it is a fertile field. And you, you've you done a recent scam, Graham, which I, I think I'd like to talk about some of the items there, and then I want to go into some of the things that you like and what you think have been the most interesting things you've written about. One of the things, the lead-off article on your recent scam, Graham, had to do with what you call pseudoscience, where these health frauds are perpetrated on people trying to tell you we're going to make you well and you're going to live forever and you're going to be gorgeous and look 30 all your life. Um, I want to believe all that, but I don't think I should. Should I, Lauren? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you should either. So, you know, what we have been noticing a lot is that um, there are a lot of uh, people calling themselves doctors. Sometimes they might have a medical degree. Oftentimes they don't. And a lot of people who are wellness advocates and work in this field that's just generally called wellness, and they're promoting dubious cures. Um, one of the biggest offenders is Gwyneth Paltrow with her Goop website. That's G-O-O-P, Goop. Um, this is a site that sells everything from jade eggs, which if you're a female, she encourages you to insert into your private area to, you know, appeal more to the opposite sex and have better energy and all this stuff. Uh <laughs> to NASA uh, stickers they claim come from NASA spacesuit material. So you put these stickers on your skin, and then you have, um, again, better energy. Uh, you rebalance your energy. And so there's all of these claims, and, and sometimes the claims get more specific about specific diseases and whatnot that they can cure. We're seeing it a lot also with um, multi-level marketing wellness products like essential oils, um, and, and even in – the with the issue of vitamin D, which is something that we all know, you know, we should get more vitamin D, but how did this come about that vitamin D is being promoted so much? There's apparently a doctor behind this who is uh, financially benefiting from the promotion of vitamin D and from making us all believe, and our doctors, that we're very low on vitamin D. So I can go into some of this more, but I think, you know, in looking into it, I think a big part of the issue is that 
the healthcare system in the United States, it's not at its best right now. A lot of people are avoiding the medical system. Uh, a lot of people of color, women, feel that their doctors maybe aren't listening to them and are brushing aside their concerns. And so people are turning to um, things like this, like, you know, quack doctors online. <laughs> well, you know, Lauren, people- one, one of the things that, that uh, makes it appeal to people, it's somebody who's well-known, there's mm-hmm. names. I mean, there are a lot of celebrities that are out there endorsing skincare products that are going to you know, eliminate every wrinkle you ever had. Um, right. And it, so I think there is a an element of consumer trust that goes into looking at some of these websites when there's a name. They think, well, well that's, that's a nice person. They wouldn't rip me off. Well, maybe they don't knowingly know they're ripping you off. Maybe they really believe in this stuff. But how do we hold them accountable? I mean, does the federal government get involved in any of this? They don't generally regulate supplements, do they? Well, so the, the Federal Trade Commission has gotten involved in some of this, but I think they need to get more involved, definitely. And, you know, the FDA can regulate food and drugs that are making deceptive, you know, false mm-hmm. marketing type claims. A lot of times, though, these people and these companies uh, know ways to get around it. They're not making an outright deceptive claim, perhaps, but they're alluding to it. So that's why, you know, we use these sort of vague medical terminology like wellness. It's an inference. They they infer. Uh, Yes. yes, They hint at. They don't come right out and tell you. Okay. Now, some of the other things that you've you've worked on also, one of the things that you had written about recently was uh, investment frauds and how people need to be more – I would think, and I'm not sure that you said this, but I would think that we need to be more skeptical, we need to be more questioning, and we certainly need to check out the people that are handling our finances if we're entrusting our money to them. But so what was the, what did you write about recently? Sure, we need to do all that, but the, the federal government, in this case, they really need to step it up um, so that, you know, we as investors know that the brokers who we entrust with our money are operating in our best interest because um, currently... You know, there's no real law that's dictating that that needs to happen, although it's been proposed over and over again. But what we wrote about was uh, a couple, um, a woman named Rachel Wheeler and her husband, um, and they found out that they were robbed by their trusted retirement uh, advisor, and they compared it to somebody broke, breaking into their house and stealing something. Um, I believe they lost around 30000 uh, because this retirement investor steered them into risky investments that paid him off, um, you know, they get kickbacks from the investments, mm-hmm. but then you end up losing all of your money. So um, a group that we work closely with, a coalition called Americans for Financial Reform, created a video where the Wheelers are talking about what happened to them as a warning to everybody else. And the Wheelers say, or, or AFR points out that, you know, like most Americans, the Wheelers lost money. Americans lose $40 billion per, per year to brokers who are chasing commissions and other benefits oh, at the boy. expense of their clients. Yeah. You know, and that is that should be a wake-up call to all of us because right. that money, when it's gone, it's gone. I mean, even yeah. if there's action taken against them, most of the time you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it restored to you. So that's why yeah. it's really important. And there are the Securities and Exchange Commission has a website where you can go and check. They they talk a lot about investment frauds. I just interviewed someone from the SEC re- recently. We talked about a lot of this. And and check out the brokers. Check 
out the investment company. There are websites that will give you information on whether or not they're legit, whether or not they've got licenses, and whether or not they've had a lot of complaints against them. And that's one thing you ought to really look at. Look at right. hard, I would, I would think. But anyway, that was an excellent, excellent article, uh, Lauren. And, you know, while it's, it's, uh, it's hard and difficult to deal with, at least it's alerting consumers what happened to the wheelers could happen to you. So just watch it there. Absolutely. Yeah. And while we applaud the SEC for, you know, having this check your investment professional website mm-hmm. that helps you yep. check if they're legitimate, yep. we're also really encouraging them, the Securities and Exchange Commission, to establish a clear, uniform standard. That yeah. Says that let me, I'm sorry, we're going to have to take a, take a break right now just to let our, our listeners know they're tuned in to Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Lauren Hall. She is with the Consumer Action, uh, National Nonprofit uh, Consumer Advocacy Group. And she writes something called Scamgram. And we're going over some of the recent things that she's written about. And they really are quite fascinating. Um, there's, there's one that I particularly want to talk about. Um, and that is the deceptive advertising associated with cancer treatment centers. I read that report and I was just absolutely appalled. Um, and I think the um, cancer seat, Cancer Treatment Centers of America, which advertises very heavily, was one of the uh, companies that was mentioned in this. Was Am I correct about that? Oh, yeah. So Cancer Treatment Centers of America was actually highlighted. They're one of the top ad spenders, according to the nonprofit group Truth in Advertising. And Truth in Advertising basically looked at more than 700 testimonials. So these cancer centers are putting out these big ads with testimonials from alleged cancer patients. But in a lot of cases, those patients have a form of cancer with, you know, less than a 50% survival rate. So um, unfortunately, despite that, um, the the ads will say things like, you know, I, I didn't need chemo, I just need positive thinking or um, things like this, which are uh, just not true, first off, but also very offensive to people who have had cancer, who have loved ones who have cancer and, you know, do need to be in medical treatment. Well, the problem is when you're getting bogus treatment, it may mean that you're not getting the proper treatment. And you're, while you're cancer, you might be able to actually, it may be curable or at least you could go into remission. This is wasting valuable time, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and it's giving people in a lot of cases false hope. So to read off some of the specific ads, um, and, and Truth in Advertising has a really great infographic on their site that highlights some of the most terrible and unrealistic testimonials, but there's one that says, statistics mean nothing to believers. And then no chemo, no radiation, 100% cured. And so, you know, they they collected all these testimonials and, and they found that a place like Cancer Treatment Centers of America um, accounted for nearly half of the more than $140 million spent by the top 50 cancer treatment centers on advertising. Wow. Um, now, the the, the uh, Truth in Advertising, their website is tina.org. Tina.org. Yes. I love that. That's so easy to remember. Tina, truthinadvertising.org. T-I-N-A. Uh, and they'll have the whole report there. I mean, they did an awful lot of information on uh, looking at these these organizations. Am I correct? 
Yeah, they did. And they also filed a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission against Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And um, they put 42 other cancer centers nationwide on notice that they are, in fact, engaging in deceptive marketing practices. So um, hopefully there we can see some change. And, you know, I understand you know, having hope and, and wanting to get treatment, but we need to be realistic about what, you know, these centers can provide yes. for people. Well, the, the false hope is, and, and, and I'm wondering if they actually do have a cure rate that they could, that, I mean, are, does anybody know whether or not people that go there actually get proper treatment and whether or not they do come out of it? I mean, are they people, do they pre-select, are they very selective on the the people that they choose to come into their program so that they have a better chance of success? Well, I don't think Truth in Advertising looked at that specifically, but um, I, you know, heard, I think that that's I'd heard that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you don't think that was part of, of what they specifically were looking at? Was, yeah, I don't think they specifically looked at that. I think they looked at the actual ads that have been posted, uh, and they said, like, you know, in, in some cases it would be uh, uh, someone with, you know, pancreatic cancer or something like that, where we know that the survival rate isn't particularly high, and, you know, they're saying, they're making it sound like you're going to go into this cancer treatment center and you're going to come out, you know, <laughs> some weeks later and just be, everything's coming up roses. Oh, so, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna believe that, and that's true. I do think that we're most vulnerable when we're trying to when we're dealing with an illness. We yeah. are very vulnerable when we're dealing with an illness, and so that makes us, you know, more susceptible to these kinds of scams. Uh, now, you also had written about some other things about um, neck braces using Medicare right. uh, for patients. Knee, neck, back. I mean, I, I see these things on TV. Oh, if you've got a knee pain, well, we guarantee this brace is going to work and you don't have to pay anything for it. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, so like this this whole issue of ScanGram, this last issue, there were a lot of medical issues, a lot of medical scams and fraud that we did write about. And the neck braces, uh, you know, CBS Chicago launched a really great investigation into how scammers have been filing these claims for back, neck, and other braces in the names of existing Medicare patients. So all they need is a person's Social Security or Medicare number, and they can, um, they can using that number, get some sort of a consultation. In a lot of cases, it's an online consultation with a doctor because those are big these days. Um, and so after that consultation, they then direct Medicare to pay a third party um, for the back brace or the neck brace, and then they get the money from that third party. So, um, unfortunately, uh, Medicare has actually paid out a lot, and CBS interviewed one woman named Mabel who was very confused because she started receiving all these braces at her house for her neck and her back and various other body parts over the course of a month, and she was like, yeah, these don't even fit me, <laughs> but I didn't even buy them in the first place or request them. So, it's unfortunate because fraud like this does threaten the future of Medicare, and it can also increase the premiums. Um, it's important, though, that people guard their Medicare and Social Security numbers very closely and don't give them to anybody calling you over the phone saying that they're with Medicare. We've seen a lot of scams like Oh, that. I, I get calls at my house. Oh, I understand that you are suffering from back pain or knee pain. You know, I just say some yeah. bad words and hang up. But but I know <laughs> that these people are out there and they may imply, I don't ha- wait around to find out. But I suspect right. that they imply that they're affiliated with a hospital, with a doctor, or with some kind of a service that is um, working with your doctor. Because, I mean, let's face it, a lot of people have knee pain, back pain. Right. 
So uh, I do. <laughs> yeah, do you? <laughs> I have new yeah. knees, my dear. They work great. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't doubt that that people can be so vulnerable, and they they so they get information from you, and then they run that through Medicare through a. I, obviously through a doctor, but is this a legitimate doctor? Should there be some licensing issues for doctors who participate in scams like this? Yeah, you know, I, a lot of times I don't think the doctors know that it is a scam. They believe okay. they're talking to a real person, but you would think that they would at least have to see the person uh, to, in order to um, qualify them for a neck brace or whatnot and maybe give them some sort of an X-ray or an MRI or oh, yeah. you know, go through something. Uh, but they're just doing it online. They're saying, okay, if your neck hurts, we'll get you a brace. It's not hard wow. to do. And yeah. you know what? I don't know that that helps at all. Right. I mean, in some cases it helps, in some cases maybe not. But it may I mean, make it worse. No. Yeah, it yeah. may cause someone to put off getting treatment for something that they really need. Let's just take a brief pause here and let our listeners know they're tuned into of consuming interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Lauren Hall. She is with Consumer Action, and we're talking about something she writes called the Scam Gram, which is about all the. And she's got a fertile field out there to write about. Uh, we've been talking about some of the issues, and, and Lauren, what are some of your favorites? You've you've been writing this for a while. What are some of the favorite things that you see that you've written about recently? <laughs> So, I mean, I guess if I had to call it favorites, I would say some of the things that I, the things that I write about where I could see myself falling for it, mm-hmm. um, and, and I consider myself, because I write this newsletter, you know, pretty savvy, but things where I go, wow, that was actually a good one. Those are the things I'm, I'm kind of interested in, and especially newer issues. For instance, we just wrote about um, peer-to-peer mobile payment services. Oh, yeah. Um, we were getting, yeah, so, so as a consumer advocacy national nonprofit, we have a hotline where people can call us or email us and let us know about um, issues that they're seeing. And we started getting a lot of complaints about uh, Cash App, which is one of those peer-to-peer mobile payment services, just like Venmo, where you can quickly pay somebody for half of dinner if you went out with them to a restaurant. You can pay your roommate. For, and, and so it affects younger people a lot more um, because they're the ones using these peer-to-peer apps. Mm-hmm. But um, what we saw was uh, it, people had complaints because with with Cash App. And they would Google, there were several issues here. First, they would Google uh, to look for who they could complain to if, you know, Cash App wasn't showing them the correct balance or whatnot in their account. And they would first get a fake ad on Google because scammers are buying up these ads. They're buying up search terms. And so if you Google, for instance, like Apple customer service, most likely the ad that pops up is not going to be from Apple. It's Mm -hmm. going to be some scammer. So then they're getting scammed that way. But then there's the question of can you trust these payment, you know, peer-to-peer payment apps? Um, Well, they're getting your information. They're getting your personal information. That is a very big question. It's huge. And, And the thing that when you ask what I'm interested in, I was shocked to see that Venmo, which is like Cash App, it's a big one, um, a big peer-to-peer payment app, their default feature when you sign up is to post everything publicly on their site and, and people can see what you're paying for and they can also see what you're saying you're paying for. So let's say... You I mean like if I go out to dinner with somebody and I have a very expensive dinner and it's not with my husband, somebody's going to know about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> Right. And so actually, um, I don't do that, but (laughs) well, it's interesting because like a, 
uh, a woman who who's a computer coder and she works on like you know figuring out what hackers are doing and whatnot. She tried to see how how much she could see on uh, through Venmo, and she was able to determine you know which people were couples and if they were in a fight and one person bought someone roses and then <gasps> the other woman went out to dinner with somebody else. I mean, she could put together entire connected stories. And the other thing I found really interested about this is there's a website called Vicemo, you know, play on the name Venmo, and mm-hmm. it helps you see in real time. If you want to go to this right now, like Vicemo.com, I believe it is, you can see in real time who's using the app to send money for sex or drugs or, or you know, various emoji symbols that are representing, you know, wow. trees for marijuana or whatnot. Yeah, and so and people's names are connected to this. And that is the default is that, you know, this is public when you sign up for Venmo. And that's in, you know, small print. It's not necessarily something you're going to know about. You're not going to know about it. And if you want to use it, don't you need to ask those questions and insist on privacy protection? Yeah, right. And we're always saying we want people to have to, you know, like opt into these types of things as yeah. opposed to already yeah. be opted in and then have to opt out. And and obviously when you look at something like this, it's something a scammer can get a hold of. They can get your information. They mm-hmm. can know maybe when you're on vacation and then they, you know, so things like that. It's uh, not great. Well, you know, technology is great. I love my, my, ga- my gadgets. I have a tablet, I have a, fo- a smartphone and I have a computer and I love all of them. But I know that they they can interfere with my privacy. They can actually. I'm wondering if they don't interfere sometimes with life for some people. Right. Um, the addiction to to our phones is is. Uh, I think that's probably a medical problem, especially <laughs> with some people. But at any rate, the the things that you're pointing out here that impacts more than just your information. It could impact your whole life, your relationships, what you're doing. I mean, that's a little bit scary. Well, it's a lot scary. And Um, we see that a lot with data breaches. You know, we just saw one where uh, there was a Donald Trump dating website and the whole thing was breached. And it was for people that, you know, are conservative and support Trump and they want to date other Trump supporters. And like right after the site launched, it it was breached and it wasn't just, people's financial information that, you know, got out, but also the personal profiles. Yeah. Yeah, And such. And that's true. That's true with, with a lot of, a lot of websites and the data that's, I mean, the information that's collected on us. I mean, the federal trade commission has said, if you have a credit, a credit um, bureau account, you've probably been compromised. Um, Absolutely. Especially after the um, Equifax data breach. mm -hmm. Well, and, and department stores. Medical mm-hmm. hospitals, all, all of it. It's um, it's very hard to protect your privacy. I think anymore. Yeah. We only have a couple of minutes. Any last thoughts for our listeners? Um, sure. You know, we just mentioned uh, data breaches. I think that's a big thing. Um, being able to freeze your credit uh, is now free. It didn't used to be. Yeah, so that might is. be something that. Yeah, people might want to look into that um, in order to protect their information. Um, you know, if you're they not should just to- realize, however, if they do that, that means that they have to unfreeze it in order to open up a new line of credit. So there's yeah. some good and some bad about that. I usually tell consumers to check and take advantage of those three free credit reports that they're entitled to each year. Right. Yes, they can definitely check that. There's also a website and um trying to find it, it's I think it's called Have I Been Pwned, like P W N D like Gamer Speak. Mm-hmm. And it'll tell you if your uh data's been breached and it'll tell you where. So like I did it and put in my email address and was surprised to see that like a few different 
you know, like there was a, a long time ago, like mm-hmm. a, a breach with this company and then this company, and it goes back um, pretty far. So that's one way to also check. But it's safe to assume that if you are an adult with any sort of credit, uh, the Equifax breach, you, you probably, you know. The well, I think are, the biggest thing that you can do is to just keep track of your, your bills, make sure there's mm-hmm. no strange charges, and that you do go and get your credit reports um, on a on a regular basis. Well, Absolutely. Lauren, thank you so much. It's been very informative. I, I I like your scam gram. It's it's really fun. It's fun to read. You keep it moving and uh, very very interesting. Uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us. You've been listening to of consuming interest. My guest has been Lauren Hall. She is with Consumer Action, and we've been talking about scams. And she's got fertile things to write about. So anyway, Lauren, thank you so much for participating in this with right. us. And we hope we've alerted that. consumers to some of the things that are going on out there. Just watch out. This is Shirley Rooker. We thank you for joining us. Of Consuming Interest is a public service program presented by WJLA 7 Call for Action, hosted by Shirley Rooker. Call for Action is an international nonprofit network of hotlines which offer free and confidential assistance. If you have a complaint, contact Call for Action at 301-652-HELP. That's 301-652-HELP.